Good morning, everyone. Are you ready to study? Before I have a short prayer, I'd like to have a short prayer for the uh, recording's sake. I want to mention something to you that perhaps you want to take note. You know, when you begin to study your Bible, and when you begin to dig deep into God's Word, sometimes you'll find things that it is so exciting. And it sounds so fantastic. But let me tell you something. Remember, it's not, the, it's not only the Holy Spirit is trying to teach you the Bible, but Satan is also there to teach you the Bible. Let me ask you something. Who is a better Seventh-day Adventist in knowledge? You or Satan? Do you, think a, do you think Satan can prove all our doctrines clearly? Therefore, he is capable of twisting, changing scriptures to destroy our doctrine. And if you are not tuned with God, Satan can drop his flavor into your Bible study. If you do not careful. So don't just run with something that you think is fantastic. It sounds so good. So what you need to do, you have to re-examine your studies carefully. So, be slow to come to your conclusion. But when you know that it is truth, you better give it with all conviction and confidence of the Lord. Because I had experience taking something with me, thinking that that is God's truth, but later on, I found out that it is not. That is so embarrassing. And now let me tell you something. Sometime, when I study my Bible, I have in my mind different, I call it, bookshelves. There's a bookshelf, it's called Sound Doctrine. Has been re-examined, tested. I've gone over it based upon the spirit of prophecy and the Bible. And it's sound, it's solid. Their bookshelf, I call it, is almost there. But yet there's some loose ends here and there that needs to be tightened up. So I need to study more on this. And there's a category, I don't know, but it sounds really good. It's fantastic. But I, have not, I cannot prove it. It sounds fantastic, but I cannot prove it. Therefore, I keep that in fantastic category, and I seldom or never preach from that. Do you understand that? And I should not even use the word seldom. Never. Until it is sound doctrine. <coughs> so the method that I'm about to 
the message that I'm sharing with you yesterday and today, you have to really have the patience of saints in order for you to have the right interpretation. So we need the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. So let's just bow our heads for added prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we ask that the Holy Spirit now teach us that we may know what it means to study the Word of God, that we may have the right experience in these last days. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. What I'd like to do right now, I'm going to show you the big picture of book of Ephesians. And again, how do you get a big picture? You look for what? Things that are what? Repeats. That's right. And in the book of in the beginning of chapter one of Ephesians, we we read last night that that passage, verse one through seven, is about God's what? Grace. Do you remember spiritual blessings? Or you already forgotten? You remember chosen. And you remember what? Chosen means to be holy without blame and adopted and and what? Accepted in the beloved. Remember that? And the Bible says this is working of God's grace. This is to praise the glory of God's grace. And we read redemption and then the forgiveness of sin. All of this. But there's one phrase I want to show you. And you always look for similar word within the book. Or similar phrase. Because that's going to help you to guide you through the Bible. Now, do you know how to, how to use concordance? Right? And if you have a computer, get computer Bible program. It will save you lots of time. <coughs> I remember when I was a student, before I had any computer, on my desk I have Bible and my Mark Bible. <laughs> and then I have my concordance, then the spirit prophecy, then the commentary. My desk was just filled with a lot of things. And when I look for look up things, I turn here, then I have to pick up this book, then the index, then the spirit prophecy books, then the commentary, the concordance, and the dictionary, back and forth. And I tell you, it, it took lots of time. But praise God for, at least for the technology of computer for the Bible study. Now it's a lot faster. And you might need that help. To have a speedy research ability. So, <coughs> this is what you do. Let's say you're looking up the word holy without blame in the Bible. The very first place you should go, listen, I'm telling you this because many times when you look up a word, let's say, let's, let's say you're looking up the word holy. How many Bible texts do you think that there are in the Bible that use the word holy? So many in the Bible, right? So what do you do? You go from Genesis to Revelation? You can, but the shortcut is you look up the word holy and without blame within the chapter. And then within the book, then within the 
other books with the same author of the book that you're studying. Are you with me? So after Ephesians, which, which book would you go to? Who is the author? The Paul. And then you want to look up the word holy in the New Testament. And then when you go to the Old Testament, when you go to the Old Testament, look up the word anywhere in the book of Psalms first. <coughs> because somehow, book of Psalms, it gives you spiritual meaning very clearly. And then look it up in Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and then other books in the Old Testament. Now, this is not fundamental, meaning you, you, don't, you don't have to follow exactly what I'm saying here right now. But this is one of the good ways that, that I experience when I study my Bible. It helps me to get to the place quicker instead of going from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Now. So what I did, I looked up the word holy and blame, uh, without blame, and I found them. Oh, this is what you do. You see, something about having computer, com computer program concordance is that you can punch the word, key in the word holy, and can just put and, and blame, or without blame. And it will give you all the Bible text that has the word holy and without blame together. Because that's the kind of Bible text that I am looking for. You understand? It cuts me. It, it, it helps me to zoom in to the right text that I'm looking for. And if you want to be more precise, I'll look up the word chosen. Because the Bible texts were explained the other Bible texts with similar terminologies. And then the Bible took me to this text in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. The Bible says, in verse 27, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 27, look at this, watch this, the Bible says, that he might present it to himself a what? Glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be, what's next word? Holy and what? Without blemish. Now where did we read that before? Chapter 1, the concept of being chosen. Are you with me? So watch this. In the beginning of chapter, it, it talks about holy and without blame. Towards the end of the book, it talks about holy and without blame. Do you think this concept right here, holiness and without blame, is very important? So you know at least this is one of the major, one of the main points. Are you with me? And then when you have this understanding, okay, so book of Ephesians, it emphasizes... It may not be the main theme, it may not be the main emphasis, but one of the emphasis is holy and without blame. That's the message from book of Ephesians. And then what you do is this, stop right there and think in your mind, where else in the Bible, where else in the Bible gives me the idea of without spot, without wrinkle, holy and without blemish? Where? Revelation chapter 14 verse 5 says, They are without fault before the throne of God, and they are what? They have no guile in their <coughs> mouth. So there are similar characteristics between book of Ephesians and what? Revelation chapter 14 talking about 144 thousands. Therefore, there is some connection between Ephesians and 144 thousands. So next time when you study... 144,000, you can come to where? In the book of Ephesians. Because they are connected. Do you understand that? 
That's right. And then when you study, you know, uh, 140,000 without guile and without fault, immediately what happens is you look up in your mind text. You see, my friends, when you study Bible so much, you should be able to, when somebody mentions to your word, guile, immediately in your mind, boom, text will, should come to your mind like this. And just, just close your eyes and from Genesis to Revelation, not that I know every text in the Bible, I'm still working on the Old Testament. By the grace of God, the New Testament is easier for me. But in your mind, from Genesis to Revelation, you should go through every book in the Bible and think of the word guile. So you have a flashlight, sorry, torch. And the torch says guile. So you look through in Genesis. Where in the book of Genesis talks about guile? Boom, what is it? The word God may not be mentioned, but the concept is there. Where is it? Snake in the tree, that's right. The first guile. And then who? The, I mean, a, a cane killing. Okay. Yeah, that's too, a little bit too. How about Jacob? How about Jacob? Abraham. But you see, the story of Jacob has more description, and he suffered because he is guile, right? So that means, watch this, you link between Revelation and Genesis. So the story of Jacob has connection to 144,000. And Jacob, my friend, he struggled and he overcome, and God gave him what name? Israel. And Revelation says 144,000 are 12 tribes of children of Israel. Boom, this connection. And Jacob struggled to overcome, right? And it will be 144,000 have to go through time of Jacob's trouble. Do you understand what I'm doing? And then you get the torch again, guile, and look through book of Exodus. Where is God in the book of Exodus? You may not find it. Then go to Leviticus. Then go to Numbers. Then go to Deuteronomy. Then go to Joshua. And keep going. Then you begin to see the harmony of the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. So this is what it means to study your Bible. Now, let me just give you a short story. Do you remember Saul who became Paul? He was going to Damascus to kill these Christians, right, who believe in Jesus, right? <coughs> and he met Christ. Why do, why do you persecute me? Who are you? I'm Christ. And when the light was gone, Paul became what? Blind. For how many days? Three days. What do you think he was doing in, during those three days? Fasting and praying. Is that all you think that, that he was doing? He was thinking about the prophecy of the Messiah in the Old Testament. Remember, he was, just, he was on his way to destroy the followers of Jesus. He didn't think he was the Christ. But now he is the Christ. So what he has to do? He has to study the Old Testament. But wait a minute. He was blind. So how did he study? You know what he did? In my imagination, that's exactly what Paul did. Let's go to the book of Genesis. Okay. Exodus. Isaiah. Psalms. Jeremiah. Micah. And he just went through in his mind. And he compared scripture to scripture. And he studied the Bible in his mind. Sometimes, my friends, somebody, you know, sometimes you know, somebody calls me to preach. I have no set of sermon. It happened to me in Taiwan. He, 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 he came over to grab me, okay, and he came with a motorcycle. I was in the back of his motorcycle, and it was raining. And as I'm going on the way to the place to preach, I'm preparing my sermon. Okay, let's go. 
Okay, this text, this text, this text, put it together. Okay, this text is the last body, conclusion, the main theme, boom. So we should be able to study the Bible in our mind. That's the best place to be. Did you know the Waldensians, the little children, they're trained to memorize the whole book of the Bible? Like book of John, Matthew, Luke, and incredible training. So look at this. What is the big theme of the book of Ephesians? Remember chapter 1 we talked about yesterday? The mystery of God. Which, which is what? Gather together in one. All things. So unity, right? Look with me. Chapter 2. Chapter 2. And verse 6, the Bible says, And had raised us up, what's next word? Together, made us sit, what's next word? Together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Again, what word is being repeated? Together. Now look, at, look with me, chapter 3. So who and who is together? Christ and us. All right. Chapter 3. Look with me. <clears throat> Chapter 3. And let me find the text. Yes, verse 6. The Bible says that the Gentile should be what? <coughs> Fellow heirs and of the same. What kind of picture do you have right there? One. Who should be one? <coughs> Gentiles and who? <laughs> Jews. Okay. Chapter one. Heaven and earth. Right. Chapter two. Christ and us. Chapter three. Gentiles and Jews. That's right. Now chapter four. Chapter 4 and verse 4. The Bible says, There is one body, one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Verse 13. The Bible says, Till we all come in the unity of the what? Again, what picture do you see? Unity in where? In God's Church, one body. No, body represents church. All right. So chapter 1, heaven and earth. Chapter 2, Christ and us. Chapter 3, Gentiles and Jews. Chapter 4, within God's church. Chapter 5. And look with me and verse 31. Chapter 5 and verse 31, the Bible says, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Verse 32, the Bible says, This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Ladies and gentlemen, please tell me what is the main theme of the book of Ephesians. That's right. <coughs> unity. When someone comes to you next time questioning about unity, what book would you go to? That's right. Heaven and earth, Christ and us, Gentiles and Jews, unity within the body of church, and the body, the church, and Christ. Unity. Is that clear? Do you have more confidence when you study the book of Ephesians now? You know where you're going, right? So everything in the book of Ephesians has to do something. It deals with something about unity. That's right. Now, where else in the Bible talks about Ephesians or Ephesus? 
Revelation chapter 2. And there we have the church of Ephesus. So when you study that church of Ephesus, you can also study book of Ephesians. That's right. So there is a connection. Now, that's the overall picture. Now what I'm going to do is go back to chapter 1 and did and do what we did last night. Verse by verse. Are you ready? Maybe not ready. Are you ready? Okay. Come with me, verse 11. Verse 11, the Bible says, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his will. What word is being repeated? Based upon previous texts. Predestinated, right? And you know that word predestinated has connection to what word? Adoption and chosen, right? But now, what new word has appeared in verse 11? Inheritance, that's right. Therefore, inheritance has connection to predestinated, predestinated, adoption, adoption, chosen. Are you with me? And it makes sense. Do you remember the topic that I gave Friday night? Who has right to receive inheritance? The heir, right? And to be heir, you have to be his child. And if you're not biologically his child, you have to be? That's right. It makes sense. So God adopts you to give you his what? Inheritance. That's what he's talking about. And this is his purpose. Verse 12. That we should be to the praise of his what? Glory who first trusted in Christ. So my friend, what's the purpose of giving us his inheritance? <laughs> to praise his what? Glory. Glory is his character. So, so magnify, exalt God's character by receiving his inheritance. Verse 13. In whom he also trusted, after that ye heard the word of what? Truth. The gospel of your salvation. In whom also are that ye believe. Ye were what? Sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. What is that? What's the seal with that the Holy Spirit of promise? Promise. What is this for? Who received this seal with the Holy Spirit of promise? Those who trust in God, right? Those who heard the word of truth, which is the gospel of your salvation. But not only hear it, but you have to what? Believe it. Then you receive the seal of the Holy Spirit. For what? Verse 14. What is the very first word in verse 14? Which. The word which has to be based upon previous subject matter. What word is that word? What phrase? In verse 13. Verse 14 says, which, right? That which has to be based upon previous text. What we're in verse 13 is referring to? The, whole, the seal of the Holy Spirit of promise. That's right. The seal of the Holy Spirit of promise. You see, my friend, they usually have immediate connection to the immediate text. It's, it's behind them. You know, do you understand what I'm talking about? And then from there, you go backward. But now, so, in verse 14, the Bible explains a little more on this seal, 
with that Holy Spirit of promise. The Bible says, which is the earnest of our what? Inheritance. Stop right there. It is a what? Earnest. What does that mean? Earnest. Guarantee or down payment. That's right. That's right. Don't forget that. It's down payment. So, when you receive a seal of what? Holy Spirit is a down payment of what? For what? For your inheritance. Keep, stay with Bible terminology for your inheritance. Now, when you pay a down payment, now do you have a layaway system here? <laughs> but you have a down payment system here, right? When you have a down payment, what is down payment, my friends? Well, watch this, watch this. Now, when you buy a car, you pay down payment, or do you pay in cash? Deposit, right? It's, it's a down payment, isn't it? Now, you can get a car. Can you use that car? Can you use that car? But is it yours? No, until when? It's all paid for, that's right. Now, think about it. So, can you experience inheritance? But is it yours? Until when? It's pay off. But God promises that it will be pay off by giving us what? Down payment. What is that? Holy Spirit. <coughs> so when we are sealed with the Holy Spirit, that means it's a down payment that God is saying, I will give you what? Inheritance. You can use it, but it's not fully yours. That's right. What is that inheritance? Did I lose my audience? How come it suddenly became so silent? Are you following me? Do I need to repeat this? You might think, wow, wow, we don't receive, we don't have an inheritance now. We have it as a as a guarantee, but we don't have it fully, do we? What is this inheritance? Immortality. Immortality. Anything else? Eternal life, which is immortality, right? Ladies and gentlemen, this inheritance is immortality. How do we know? Okay, now. What we're going to do, we're going to stop right here, okay? We're going to finish reading what it says, and I'm going to bring other Bible texts in. Okay? Because this is one place that you need to bring other Bible texts in. In order for you to understand what is inheritance. Now, let's finish reading it. Verse 14, the Bible says, Which is the earnest of our inheritance until the what? Redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. So that means there's something about this inheritance you have not received it until the redemption. Now. So what is this? Immortality? How do we know? Turn your Bibles with me. Turn your Bibles with me. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 15. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 15. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 15, the Bible says, And for this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death for the redemption of the transgression that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive 
the promise of what? Eternal inheritance. Right there you have a little more description of inheritance. The Bible calls it what? Eternal inheritance. That's right. So now let's go to other Bible texts, perhaps using the similar terminology. Okay? 1 Peter chapter 1. You might say, How'd you get how did you get those Bible texts? You know what I did? Very simple. Look up the word inheritance. And look up the word inherit. Or look up the word inherited. Are you with me? Now, first Peter chapter one and verse three. The Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, does that sound very familiar? To which book? Ephesians. That's right. Which according to his abundant mercy, give me another word for mercy. Grace. Does it sound familiar? Has, what's next word? Begotten. Give me another word that is related to Ephesians. Begotten us. Adopted. That's exactly right. Are we reading almost the same passage? Am I in a safe place that I can say that this passage is related to Ephesians? Yes. That's how you know that this Bible text is connected to the other Bible text. Don't study the Bible as some people do. They turn to flip of their Bible. They just flip through their Bible. And the Bible says, Jesus hang himself. Then flip through your Bible some more. Jesus says, go ye do likewise. Flip through your Bible and says, and Jesus says, do it quickly. <laughs> you don't study your Bible like that, do you? You have to know, before you can link them up, you have to know this passage of Scripture and this passage of Scripture is linking up with the same subject matter. Do you understand? I remember a little boy was giving a Bible story. This little boy said, Moses built an ark to gather animals. Then he began to walk on the water. And he fell in. And the whale came up and swallowed him up. This boy got an incredible imagination. If you don't study the Bible properly, you just mumble and jumble and put everything together. It's confusing. So, we are in a very safe place. We know there's direct linkage. Continue. Has begotten us again unto a what? Lively hope. Now, the word unto, is that what you receive when you're begotten? Or you're begotten for in the future? Are you with me? That you are begotten unto the what? For a lively hope that which will come in the future. What is this lively hope? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the... So what, what hope is this? Resur resurrection. Okay, now stay with the Bible terminology. Don't grab other Bible terminology that is so common. Alright? So... We can, then I can say God has chosen us, adopted us, or I can use this Bible text terminology, begotten us, that we may have what? <coughs> Lively hope of resurrection or immortality. Verse 4. What's the first word? Two. And in, what's the word? Inheritance. Are we reading the same passage now as Ephesians? To an inheritance, what's the next word? Incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in where? Heaven for you. What is reserved in heaven for you? Your what? Inheritance. Question. Spiritual blessing, where is it? In heavenly places. In where? In Christ. Do you understand that? So my friends, what is in Christ Jesus? 
That's reserved for you. Inheritance. What is that? Spiritual blessing is in the heavenly places in Christ. And the Bible says inheritance is reserved in heaven for you. And we know that it's in Christ. What is in Christ that's inheritance? Jesus said, I am the life and I am the what? Resurrection. That's your inheritance, immortality. Do you see that word hope? That word hope many times is used for resurrection. Like First Thessalonians chapter 4. But let me show you the word incorruptible. Turn your Bibles with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter 15. And verse 42. The Bible says, So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in what? In corruption. So the word in corruption is related to what concept? What theme? Resurrection. Turn your Bibles with me now to verse 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised. What's the next word? Incorruptible, and we shall be changed. So my friend, the word incorruptible is related to what concept? Immortality. That's right. Turn your Bibles with me now to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And verse 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1 the Bible says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. What is he talking about? Earthly tabernacle and house made without hands. Earthly body, mortal body, and heavenly body, and immortal body. Verse 2, For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened. Now, don't forget that word. In this tabernacle, we what? Groan, we being burdened. Not for that we, sh we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. So it is very clear. But look with me. Continue reading. The Bible says in verse 5, Now he that has wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also has given unto us the what? Earnest of the Spirit. Are we reading the same passage as book of Ephesians? So my friend, for the promise of immortality, God has given us what? Earnest of the Spirit, the down payment of Spirit. Now, therefore, my question to you. How do you know that you are going to receive immortality? How? Do you have the down payment? What is your down payment? Holy Spirit. Therefore, who shall receive immortality? Those that have the Spirit of God, turn your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. The Bible says this. Verse 9. 
Romans chapter 8 and verse 9, the Bible says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is what? None of his. Verse 10. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Verse 11. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells where? In you. What is that? The down payment, right? He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your, what kind of body? Mortal bodies by, the, by His Spirit that dwells what? In you. So now, do you understand the Holy Spirit is a down payment? So how do you know you have a Holy Spirit or not? Do you have the fruit of the Spirit or not? If you don't have the character of Jesus, my friend, you are not qualified to receive immortality. God cannot give you new body when you still have your old mind. Remember this when you are tempted to get angry in your, in your home. Remember this when you get frustrated and show your hot temper in your home. Remember this. What's the purpose of your life and your destiny? We are here to build character. There someday we may be closed with what? Immortality. My friend, this is the reason why we must be closed with the righteousness of Christ so that we might be qualified to receive the close of immortality. This is what the Bible is teaching. Continue reading. Now look with me in verse. Watch this. Verse 12. What's the first word, verse 12? Therefore, Therefore brethren, we are what? When do you have a debt? <coughs> when you owe something. Even after you pay your down payment. You are what? Debtors. To who? You're debtor to who? You're debtor to God. God has already given you the Holy Spirit for down payment, right? And you have to pay the rest on your own? No. Do you remember the prayer of Jesus? Forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. So God will forgive your debts if you forgive others' debt. That means you owe something to God and you also owe something to other people. What do you owe to your friends and other people? Right example of image of Christ. You owe to your family Christ-like character. You better pay that. How are you going to pay it? By the Holy Spirit. That's right. Look with me. Romans chapter 8. Verse 19. Romans chapter 8, verse 19, the Bible says, For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Verse 20, For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him that him who had subject, subjected the same in hope. Verse 21, Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of what? Corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. 22. For we know that the whole creation, what's next word? 
where, where do you remember the word groaneth? Second Corinthians chapter 5. And travaileth, what's one of the words? Tra travaileth. Burden, suffering, and pain together until now. Verse 23. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even ourselves, what's the next word? Groan within ourselves, waiting for the what? Waiting for the what? Adoption. Are you adopted today? Are you adopted today? You can receive your inheritance when? When you are what? Fully adopted, right? You can, you can get your inheritance when you're fully adopted. Then you're legally that father's child. But there's a payment for your adoption. And the Holy Spirit is a down payment, right? And you're not fully adopted until the down payment and the full payment is paid. So my friend, today we are adopted by faith. But time will come that we are fully adopted. When is that? The Bible says, look at this. It says, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our what? Body. What is redemption of our body? Second coming. That's exactly right. So when you study the Bible, you begin to see, ah, oh, this is the reason why now we are called the children of God, sons of God, but yet we do not look like sons of God. That's right. Because we have to receive the spirit, the mind, the character, and at the end, the final finishing touch of the adoption is immortality. All of this, my friend, is coming from Book of Ephesians, chapter 1, that one text. Let's go back now. Ephesians, chapter 1. And I'm going to show you something. Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 15. The Bible says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints. Cease not to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayer. What do you see here? What Paul is doing here? He just simply what? Is he trying to explain something? Some, some doctrine here? Some, he's just simply saying what? I am praying for you. And I know that what you're doing. And verse 17 that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Verse 18. So Paul is praying for what? That they may receive what? Wisdom and knowledge. Verse 18. To receive wisdom and knowledge. Verse 18. The eyes of your what? Understanding be what? Enlightened. So Paul is praying that the people in Ephesus will have wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Keep reading. The Bible says that ye may know what is the, what's the next word? Hope of your calling. And what is the riches of the glory of this, of his what? Inheritance in the, in other words, Paul is praying, oh God, I'm praying for you that God will help you to understand how much you can come up high. How much God will honor you and exalt you. How much, you know, what it, that, you, that you will understand what it means to have inheritance among the saints. The riches of God's glory. And then he began to explain. Verse 19, the Bible says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us were who believe according to the working of his mighty power. So verse 19, what words is being kept repeating? Power. 
What is his power? Verse 20. What is the first word? Which. The word which is describing what word? Power. Power is which he wrought in whom? Christ. When he raised him from the dead and set him at his what? Own right hand in heavenly places. Verse 21. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And have put all things under what? His feet. Put what under his feet? What are the all things? Principality, power, might, dominion, every name that is named. World under his feet and gave him to be the what? Head over all things to the church. So my friends, that power, watch this, that power, look, look, listen, listen very, very carefully. That power raised up who? Jesus Christ and put him above all things. Put everything under his feet. That power, the Bible says, worketh in us, in you. Verse 23, the Bible says, which, that word which is based upon what word? Church. Church is his what? Body, the fullness of him that filleth all in. So let me ask something. The Bible says everything is put under his feet. Where is the church? His body is church. That means underneath the church all principalities and dominion. What does that mean? My friends, what Christ is doing is this. His, rich, his great riches of His grace, the riches of His glory, of His power, His mystery, His grace is that to Adopt you, chosen you, predestine you, make you accepted in the beloved, to redeem you, to forgive you, to raise you up, to be together with Christ, and to reign with Christ. Not that we are going to become God, no. Because we, Christ is still the head of the body but in terms of sharing his throne he is willing to share the throne with us this is the reason why the bible says look go to revelation chapter 1 revelation chapter 1 and verse 6 revelation chapter 1 verse 6 the bible says and had made us, what? Kings and priests unto God and His Father. That's to have authority and dominion. Come back with me to Ephesians. Come back with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And look with me. Verse Five. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 5 the Bible says but let's read from verse 4 but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us how much he loves us verse 5 even when we were what dead in sins has what next word quickened now, in chapter 1, what has quickened Jesus? Spirit has quickened Jesus. The power has quickened Jesus. And the Bible says, look, it says, quicken us together with who? Christ. 
And the, the bracket says, by grace ye are. So what does it mean by grace we are saved? By the grace of God that we are quickened, raised up together with Christ. But if you continue to read in verse 6, the Bible says, and has raised us up together and made us, what's the next word? Sit together in where? Heavenly places in Christ Jesus. God will honor you so much, my friends, that we will sit together with Christ. That's the reason why. Watch this. Stop right there and think. Do you know anywhere the Bible promises that? Revelation chapter 3. He that overcometh will grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I ever came and sat in my Father's throne. So right there, book of Ephesians has connection to what message? Laodicean message. That's right. What kind of honor is this? God will highly exalt you. But you have to be His body. That's the reason why, my friends, at the end of the book of Ephesians, it finishes with what concept? Christ and the church being one. It's like two flesh shall become one. That, that passage of the scripture, two flesh shall become one. When was I given? When was I given? Genesis chapter 2, the last text, right? Before the Bible said two flesh shall become one. Listen, two flesh shall become one. What did Adam say? This is my This is my flesh and body, right? My bone, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. So my friend, the church, like a woman married to Christ, and the church become part of his body, shall be one flesh, reign together in the throne. But very interesting, very interesting, in that passage, in the story of Adam and Eve, for Adam to get Eve, what did he have to do? He had to what? Sleep. What is that? What's sleep in the Bible? Death. Then what happened? God took what? A rib out of his body. The Bible says, Christ, He gave Himself up for the who? The church. That's right. That is the message of book of Ephesians. That now. And who has to finish this work of this mystery of God? Who? What church? The Laodicean. If you overcome, you will sit with me. Turn your Bibles with me. Revelation chapter 10. Revelation chapter 10. And verse 7. Revelation chapter 10 and verse 7. The Bible says, But in the days of the voice of the what? Seventh angel. Who is the seventh angel? Seventh trumpet. When was the last time you studied the book of Revelation? Seventh trumpet. And my friend, when did the seventh trumpet begin to sound? From 1844. From 1844, what church, what, what phase of church are we going into? Laodicea, right? So the sounding of seventh, seventh angel or seventh trumpet is a time of what church? Laodicean church. And the Bible says, look, but in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound the what? 
mystery of God should be finished. What is mystery of God? That needs to be finished. What do we study in the book of Ephesians? The mystery of God. Bringing together, gathered together in one. This afternoon, we are going to study the mystery of God the other way. And you begin to see the big picture and you understand we as Seventh-day Adventists, why do we exist? The mystery of God. What is that? Let's kneel together for prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we need to understand the beauty and the power of thy message. Teach us, O oh Lord, what it means to finish the mystery of God. Teach us what it means to be part of your body, to be flesh and bone. And you say to us, we must drink your, flesh, drink your blood and drink, eat your flesh. Without it, we have no life in us. So, Lord, help us that we may have the Spirit of God to reflect your beautiful character, that we may be more like Jesus, to have your image, to represent thy children on this earth. As we continue to study the Bible, may you convict us, convince us, and convert us that we may go away from this place with mighty, for mighty experience in God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.